This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Fix Your Finances is brought to you by AIA. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, you're with Lee Tree Lin and Shamila Ganesan. Tonight, it is episode 3 of Fix Your Finances, where we are, of course, talking about insurance. So, we'll be joined by a financial planner and a representative from AIA to answer all your questions about insurance and coverage. So, really, now's the time. Uh, what do you want to know about insurance? Any questions you might have, send it through. That number to call is 7733-2900. Tweet us at BFM Radio and send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U mobile number, 01. 1-8-789-8899. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08. So... We've made it uh, to week three of Fix Your Finances. As a quick recap, we started off the show by talking about how to balance a budget sheet. So that was episode one. In episode two, we talked about money personalities, why it's important to know which one you are and you know how that might affect the way you spend or save or whatever it may be. And today, we are discussing how to protect your wealth. So just building on lessons. Um Joining us to talk about insurance, um, we have Annie Ho, who's a licensed financial planner at Harveston Financial Group, as well as So Yan Sin, who's an AIA unit manager. Uh, Annie, Yansin, thank you both so much for joining us today. Thanks thank for you. having us. Thank you, Julian. So, um, again, quick reminder, any questions about insurance, now is really the time. Um, but before that, we want to know, uh, what are some of the most common misconceptions that you've both heard about insurance? Annie, maybe you can start us off. Okay, I think one of the most common misconception would be I don't need insurance because I'm young and healthy. And this is not entirely true because no one is immune to illnesses. No one is immune to accidents. Anything can happen anytime. And some people may also think that uh, because my company covers me, I, I don't need insurance. This is also not true because unless your company covers your unlimited budget and you can take away that coverage, it's, it's not, it does not belong to you. So you need to first find out what are you covered from the company and try to fill in the gap. And then second thing is, can you bring it away if you were to you know, retire, for example? Right. I, the, the most common misconceptions I got is that uh, having a medical card means having enough life insurances. Uh, so there are a lot of parts to life insurances, uh, what life insurance can offer. So uh, the biggest misconception is having medical card equals to having enough life insurances. And also uh, life insurance is only for breadwinner. So in reality, I think everyone who contributes to the household should have life insurance uh, coverages. So how should insurance fit into um, a healthy personal finance budget or, or set up? What's the ideal role that insurance should play in all this? Okay, um, for me, I feel that Insurance is the fundamental of your entire financial planning. Before you start, you know, uh, buying a property, before you start going into um, equity investment, you really need to think a look at your insurance just to provide that security and peace of mind while you are building your assets. You're trying to accumulate your wealth. You need to take care of that first. That is the most basic. So, for example, if let's say you are uh, married with kids, you must ensure that, or and if you're a breadwinner, you must ensure that you have 
all this insurance done, taken care, so that when you buy a property, you're, because you're taking additional risk buying a property, right? You're not going to pass on that risk to your family. So that's the most important part, yeah? Before, before taking on more risk and assets and all. I think people have to understand that insurance is a financial tool. It's not uh, something you need to buy so that when you get into hospital, you're, you're covered. It's a financial tool to cover, I think, uh, first of all, your basic needs. So when a person, you know, starts earning and when you use that money or that, that, that you earn to start buying your basic needs, after you have your basic needs, you need to make sure that you cover them first before you go for what you, re- what you want. You see, because once your ability to earn is, th- is taken away, and it's not covered, then you'll lose uh, even your basic needs. Actually, this is just a question I'm, I'm curious about um, because we're talking about insurance today and actually I think it's something that makes people uncomfortable because nobody wants to think, it's like a will almost, nobody wants to think about, oh, I, I need insurance because maybe something bad will happen. I need insurance because I need to be protected. It's a bit of a tough mindset to, to address. And um, before we go any further, we've talked about the misconceptions. For both of you, you do different things um, in this sort of insurance and personal finance setup. What kinds of conversations do you have with people about insurance? Like, do are you finding people more open to talking about it or are people still quite resistant or still a bit worried? Like, oh, I don't really want to, I don't want to think about it too much. These few years, I think uh, people are fine talking about it because the uh, healthcare charges are increasing and for people to be able to afford, you know, going for private healthcare, uh, I think almost everyone I talk to is comfortable talking about uh, having insurance. And I think it's important for them to look at insurance as a financial tool rather than something to cover if, you know, I die or, you know, I get really, really sick, right? If you look at it as a financial tool to cover uh, your ability to to provide, then it becomes a, a, it becomes a sign of love that, that, that you give uh, that your loved ones or some love that you give your to your earning capability. So so I think you can look at things at a different perspective. And also certain insurance company they are they are linking health and, and insurances. So um, it's a good way to open conversations also. That's my thing. I think people don't want to talk about insurance is because they don't want to pay premium. <laughs> I don't think so. It's because not because they are scared that they buy already, then touch wood something happened because they bought insurance. I think the awareness of uh, the market right now is people know they need insurance, just what type of insurance they need. Um, and of course, insurance is not a very fun thing to pay for. Blackpink is fun. Yeah, your Taylor Swift <laughs> is fun, but insurance, however, is a necessity that you should have in the in your uh, financial plan. So, fun or not, you still need to uh, embark and take on. Yeah. You're listening to Fix Your Finances and today we are talking about insurance and coverage. We want to know, what do you want to know about insurance? Do you have questions, something you're curious about, something you want answered? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Just a quick reminder that actually a few things here. Um, we are going to have an exclusive personal finance workshop that's happening on September 9th 
Saint as a closer for this um, for the series. And you will need a password to register. That will be shared, so stay tuned. But what you also need, actually, is the budget balance sheet, which you can download at bfm.my slash fixyourfinances. We'll be back for more with Annie Ho and So Yansin. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You're listening to Fix Your Finances, brought to you by AIA. Build fortunes modestly. BFM 89.9. You're listening to Fix Your Finances, brought to you by AIA. It is 6.18 and this is episode 3 of Fix Your Finances. Today we are talking about insurance and asking you... If you have questions, if you have anything you've ever wanted to know, the time to call is now. That number is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Our guests in the studio are Annie Ho, Licensed Financial Planner at Harveston Financial Group, and So Yan Sin, AIA Unit Manager. So uh, we are already getting some messages. Uh, I thought we could just get some of the, the more commonly asked ones out of the way because Sabrina ECLH and Andrew are all circling the same point, which is asking about insurance companies, um, whether they should insure everybody. Uh, why insure only the healthy? ECLH, for example, is specifically asking, if I've experienced chronic kidney disease and I've recovered, can I purchase insurance? I think it's the level of risk. You know, how insurance company operates is they take risks from people, right? So when a person has a particular higher risk than the others, then uh, the, the possibility of the person claiming in the future is higher. And that is why insurance company would check the level of risk a person has before deciding whether they want to insure that person. We also have Stephen who's asking, how can a senior citizen secure medical insurance when, uh, when they've retired? Or will they be charged a huge premium, especially if they have comorbidities? Or will uh, the insurer exclude the risks? I think for senior citizens, it depends on what which age because there is always an entry age for, for example, a medical card for um, senior citizens. I think some companies at 70, some at 80, for example. I, I don't specifically know which one yet. Um, but you need to know... Uh, what age you're entering. And if you're healthy, great, you can always get a medical card or healthcare or life insurance, for example. But of course, if your health is not at tip-top and you need, you have some pre-existing condition, you would need to declare it to the company and for them to access whether they can accept those risks. Because we're not saying that, um, oh, just because you're old, you cannot buy insurance. No. Because insurance does not discriminate against age for, for that matter. Because you can, you can be 30 years old and you have a pre-existing condition that the insurance company, company cannot accept it's it's not it's not now it's not because of age it's just because of your health condition yeah, yeah. and the way they charge you is based on your risk level uh higher age is the higher your risk level that, that's why they charge more, more correct again if you have questions about insurance uh whether it is about specific things, whether it's about whether you need it or what kind you need, whatever it may be, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred. You can uh, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So um, I think earlier we talked about misconceptions. I wanted to know though, Annie, what are some of the biggest questions that your clients ask you when it comes to insurance? What is it that people most want to know? I have uh, basically three. Number one is how much is enough? You know, how much insurance should I buy? Um, do I have to pay my insurance until I die? You know, how, how long can I, how long must I pay for my insurance? And number three is how much should I spend on insurance? These are the three questions, key questions that usually people ask. 
um, to address it is how much is enough. It depends on what stage of life you're at. All right. If it's a person who is single versus a person who, is, who has a family who is dependent on them. So it really depends on your stage of life. Number two is that do I have to pay for my insurance until I die? Basically, insurance is paying for whole life. Right, so long you need the coverage, you want the coverage, you have to continue paying for your insurance. And how much do I spend on insurance? So, I I, I like to adopt it and advise the clients that you spend no more than five to ten percent of your income on insurance. If you spend more than that, you you leave no access to do investments and other things, right? But you cannot forego, and you need to set aside that five to ten percent. You cannot put aside and say I want to buy Blackpink. You know, you need you need that five to ten percent. So actually, if I may follow up on that, um, one of the fears I've often heard people express, particularly maybe when they are um, at the earlier stage of their careers or if they are perhaps a gig worker or in freelance, um, is the committing to that insurance plan. What if in five years I can't afford it anymore? What happens? Have I wasted my money? How can someone plan for that lifelong commitment. Okay, so basically then the financial planning aspect comes into place, looking at your emergency funds, looking at your long-term retirement plans. So I have clients who are also like freelance and they have gigs, they have great money, they earn great money now. But when you earn good money, great money now, you need to start saving and investing for years that you may not have those income. For example, artists, they have a lifespan, for example. So if they know that this is their golden time, they make a lot of money, they need to start putting it aside just so that for their retirement or whatnot, just so that they have enough and they they won't have an they will come to an issue like I can't pay five years down the road or ten years down the road or maybe when they retire. Because most of the time people ask so um so retire already, I got no income, how I have to pay. But this is part of your planning. You need to put your planning into place so that to ensure that you're able to continue paying for the next 20 or 30 years when you're not working, for example. I think there's a mis- misconception. A lot of people think uh, if I earn a lot, I need to buy a lot of insurance. It actually depends on the risk level you have, the the way you spend your money. Because I can be earning like $1 million per month and if I only spend 10000 per month, I need to cover that 10000 not the $1, uh, $1 million because I'll... I'll the basic I need is to cover my expenditure first because like gigas, like you say, they might be earning a not now and in the future they might not be earning. So if they can cover the expenditure and use the leftovers, like what Annie say, you know, for investments or for savings, they will have uh, more money as that, you know, at, at their expense in the future. Uh, actually, we started off our show, uh, Jensen, with you talking about life insurance. Um, yeah. And I want to actually talk about some of the most common types, starting with life. So, okay, firstly, does everyone need it? Does everyone need life insurance? Um, I think it's not a necessity for everyone. So it depends on their specific financial situation, responsibilities and goals. So if you ask me a newborn baby, if if a newborn baby needs uh, uh, life insurance, because a newborn baby, touch wood, if something happens to the newborn baby, it wouldn't affect, uh, like if the baby passed away, it wouldn't affect the parents' Uh, financially, so so probably not. So it depends on their specific financial situation, responsibility, and goal. So a person can consider the below la, if they want to uh, get uh, enough life insurance. I think they can consider their dependents, their income replacements, their debt, and financial obligations. So when do you know then if this is something that you should look into? Any maybe you want to take this one? Okay, as for me, when I started uh, my first job. 
So, uh, because I don't come from a wealthy family where parents buy you insurance, I think my daughter and uh, some kids are, are pretty more lucky because we buy insurance for them. But when I, um, for, for I think 20 over years, I don't have insurance. Uh, so when I got my first job, I, I found an agent, buy my first insurance, all right? So because I don't have, I, I don't, ha I only started my job, right? 2000 I don't know, $2,000 a month. What if I'm hospitalized? I don't have 50000 sitting somewhere. I, I don't have a pharma account, father-mother account, you know? So I need to make sure that uh, this is something that you, you uh, to be secured, all right? Um, but if, if, and then, of course, it depends on your stage of life. You know, as when you're single, maybe, maybe some people think I'm single, I don't need life insurance. Not entirely true. If you give your parents money every month, the moment touch or anything happen to you, that is done. They don't have those money anymore, true. right? So to ensure that there is a continuity for them, even in your absence, life insurance is still a must, should, even though you are a single. And then, of course, if you're a breadwinner and family and of your business owner, for example, life insurance is still very important. Yeah. How do you pick the policy that'll be the best for you and your family? There is no best policy. I tell people, they tell me, can you find me the best medical card? I say, there's no best medical card, best life insurance. It's basically what suits you the most, right? What suits me may not suit Trillin, may not suit, uh, uh, suit Yensing, yep. you know, so it will be different, right? So there is no best policy. I feel that most of the time, uh, we need to always sit down with the client, understand the client, you know, A to Z, what is their house, house uh, the environment like in their house, what is the people who are the people in their house then then from there we propose what is a better solution from the for I, them i think there's four steps to me number one is accessing your family financial needs and potential risk number two if i were them i would identify my priorities i would engage a professional someone like me and annie and then i'll reevaluate you know what i got regularly because you know our our, our needs increases uh, as time passes we do also, uh, well, actually, Sean wants to know, in Malaysia, are we able to borrow loans against our life insurance? And I guess that that is using your life insurance as collateral, mm. it sounds like, yeah. No, no not that I've heard of. Sean, um, I hope that was helpful. I'm not sure if that was the answer you wanted, but, but I think, unfortunately, that's a truthful one. Um, keep those thoughts coming. We are asking you if you have questions about insurance. We'll be back um, to try and answer them with Annie Hall, Licensed Financial Planner at Harveston Financial Group, and So Yansin, AIA Unit Manager. So any questions about insurance, call 7733-2900. Uh, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. You can also tweet us at BF. FM Radio. Uh, just a quick reminder that we do have I've been saying this, an exclusive personal finance workshop that will be happening at the end of the series. That's September 9th. You'll need a password to register. You will know that password very shortly. It's got a precious metal in it. I don't know why I'm giving hints. I'm going to tell everyone what it is later, but I'm just giving hints you now. You just like being game show host. A little bit. Uh, and you can also download the budget balance sheet at bfm.my slash fixyourfinances. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You're listening to Fix Your Finances, brought to you by AIA. Be financially minded. BFM 89.9. You're listening to Fix Your Finances, brought to you by AIA. 
It is 6.38 and this is episode 3 of Fix Your Finances. You are with Lynn and Sharmila. And uh, tonight it is all about insurance. We have been asking you, what do you want to know about insurance? Any questions you might have, send it our way. You can call 7733-2900. You can send us a voice note or WhatsApp. 018-789-8899. You can also tweet us at BFM Radio. Speaking of voice notes, uh, we do have one that's come in. This is from Aaron. Okay, actually to make it easier, basically it's an idea where you pay a certain amount of premium to get certain amount of money that protects you if anything happens on you. But the problem now is the inflation is it's very bad it's very serious every time the medicare bills will increase every year or every month so i would say probably in near future probably 10 years or 20 years the amount of money that used to protect us might not be not enough might not be enough so of course the insurance will come in by asking you to go for policy review. So, of course, when they do policy review, by the time you will, you might be aging. So, you will have to pay more premium. That is a problem. But we all know this is a business. So, insurance, they don't want to simply insure you. That's why they will ask you to pay more premium to get more protected. But of course, it seems like it works that way, you know. Aaron, uh, thank you for that. So actually, I, I wanted to play Aaron's voice note because I think it, it circles a number of the, the comments and questions that people have been having. Um, would either of you like to weigh in? They're gesturing at each other. <laughs> <laughs> people can't hear with the I, silence. I, I, I think, um, yes, definitely with uh, many more people more people are claiming definitely that medical inflation comes in claims uh, the claims are higher so naturally your insurance company will uh, definitely uh, look at the cost of insurance will have gone up so you would definitely need to pay more premium than what you have paid now um, not only now actually so that's why the whole holistic planning is has to come into place what you're paying for example if you're paying three hundred dollars right now the premium is not guaranteed. Some people think that, oh, I'm going to pay 300 for this amount of coverage for the rest of my life. It's not true. You will be looking at inflation and easily paying three times or four times more when you retire. So this is something that people need to actually uh, take note. And it's not because just that there's a inflation, uh, there's, there's that, that insurance want to make money or something like that, but it is inflation. And this is the fact of life. We are living in an era of inflation. Yeah, like your chakwetia and your chicken rice. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> Your chakwetia used to be, what, $6? I don't know. Now it's 9 ringgit. Now if a lunch is just at coffee shop, no less than 10 ringgit. Yeah? So that's inflation already. Mm. So and, and I believe that inflation is more than 3%, 5%. It's a pool of money. So when everyone pays, the, the, the money in the pool gets more and someone claims it goes out. Right? So when they calculate, when you don't have enough coming in, and you have more going out because of inflation, you need more coming in. That's why everyone is playing more. It's just how insurance works. Um, we are shortly about to start talking about medical insurance, which is the next big one. Um, but before that, we do have another voice note, kind of on the subject actually, from Stephen. Well, I already uh, contributed uh, my insurance policies uh, two to three years so because I have to commit, so I every month have to pay uh, 300 
120 per month. So, but uh, this one actually I'm not very willing to pay because I can't afford it to pay. But anyhow, this one already make me having a financial problems. Uh, I. I last few months I I already consider want to surrender but I already commit the money put inside so few thousand inside then I don't know how what should I do I can't afford it but I already pay two to three years then what should I do it's a medical card so it covers three millions okay it covers three millions but the thing is uh, I can't afford uh, so would you like I would like to get your advice thank you. Thanks, Stephen. Um, and sorry to hear that that's been that money's been a bit tough. So, we're we're talking about a medical card that covers three million um, that Stephen has been contributing to for two to three years, but has been struggling to kind of commit to it fully over the last few months. I think, uh, like, I think it depends on what kind of policy it is. Whether it's a standalone or an investment link. So if it's an investment link, then he probably has some cash value inside. So probably the policy will be able to sustain for a, a short period of time. And because he has three million uh, worth of coverages, um, it depends. I think he needs to talk to a professional uh, or his agents uh, who is advising him on this particular matter, uh, because uh, he needs to really look at his financials and how he can plan uh, his plan. Uh, better because I think through the voice message we have uh, limited information. What do you think? Um, I'm sorry to hear about that, Stephen. Um, first thing is, I think let's go back to two years ago or three years ago when you bought this policy. What was the objective that you bought this policy? Was it because of a need that you need the medical card or was it because you were supporting someone, you know? So there's always a case where people actually has an actual need. And if you have an actual need, then you need... To, and, and yes, if you're going through a financial difficulties and really cannot pay for the insurance, do look back at all your holistic planning and really look at your overall planning. Is there any funds that can you can pay and ensure that you can sustain the policy longer until things get better? For example, like Yan Sing said that if you if it's an investment policy, can you run on, for example, premium holiday and let it run a little bit so that you're still covered? Because the important thing if, is that if you still have a need, you want to be covered, that's very important. Buying and you got it, the insurance when you're healthy. So hopefully that, you know, if you really cannot sustain, then you have no choice that maybe to look at alternatives. But speak to some people who can help you to actually go through this that decision and then give some, get some advice before you actually make a rash decision to actually surrender because once surrender, yeah, um, later when you come back and buy your insurance, you actually would need to go through the, the whole underwriting all over again. So um, maybe just some advice on that. Yeah. Do take do take note if someone asks you to surrender this plan and to go for a more affordable medical insurance. Do take note that your new medical insurance will have a waiting period, right? So you when you if you surrender this plan, you get a new one, and if it's under waiting period, then you probably don't get to claim. So do take note on that. Yeah, and, and also in addition to that, because you're covered for $3 million, maybe um, you can also see if you can um, uh, lower down the protection, maybe to a lower sum assured within the same company, not changing your plan. Just go down to the, the, the most basic plan and see whether that's workable for your budget as well. So that brings me to medical insurance, right? Um, this is a category that people tend to think about in as much detail, I think, as life. Um, I just want to ask you both, why do you think it's necessary, considering that there's free public health care, uh, a lot of people also have coverage for work? 
I think I think the number one thing is uh, choices, right? Because uh, when a person is sick, right? I think the the uh, the number one thing that they would want, because when we are ill, the number thing number one thing that we want is choices, right? We want to be able to choose where we go to, uh, the 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 medicine that we have access to, the type of treatments that we have access to, the 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 number of doctors that we can we can talk to, right? Uh, during the break, we were talking about you know what if uh, I talk to some agents and the, the agent's not professional. I don't think the agent uh, is good enough for me. I think sometimes we feel the same about doctors. So we talk to certain doctors and we feel like uh, this doctor and you know, my vibe and the doctor's vibe not nyama. Then then we want options to you know we want options. We want to be able to go to the next person, or we we want the waiting period to be shorter. We want to be you know, more comfortable where we get admitted to the hospital. To me, to, to me, it's it's that. That's the number one thing. I agree with Yan Singh. It's because um, choices is very important. I uh, recently, during the MCO period, one of my clients was admitted uh, to the hospital because his house exploded. And then he was admitted to the government healthcare. It's a very good, it was a very good uh, treatment, especially. But during COVID, there was a lot of in and out of uh, COVID patients. So it was a very high risk for his case as well. So thankfully, he was able to actually move into private because he has private, uh, he has medical insurance. And of course, the bill is big difference. You go to public health care, for his condition, 400 ringgit. But his private, when he went to private, this whole bill came up to 400,000. So he was very glad that he has medical insurance, not just his company insurance, but he because his medical insurance company was very little. So thank goodness he has his own medical insurance. And also another thing is that why you need medical insurance, despite your company covering you, is because what if you walk into the office one morning and your company sends you an email and say, thank you very much for your services. We don't no longer need your services. And here you go. Uh, not only have you lost your job, you got shocked. Not, not only have you lost your job, you also lost your employee and your medical benefits. So it is very important to ensure that you do not leave your coverage benefits in the hands of others. You have to make sure you protect yourself. Yeah. And when we talk about medical insurance, how should people think about things like critical illness riders? I think I think critical illness uh, riders is very important. So I think the number one thing people need to know about critical illness rider is it's very different from medical card. It's because uh, medical card normally... Uh, the insurance company will pay the hospital. Critical illness, you'll get cash. So you you need to think about uh, overseas treatment. You need to think about supplements and you need to think about income replacement. Uh, I think number one thing is income replacement because you know when you get really critically ill uh, and you could lose your job in the process of, of recovering, so you want money to come in so that you can live a stable life. And then uh, for overseas treatment, say for example, uh, I get really sick, right? And I need uh, overseas treatment. I need to go overseas. I need to spend money first because they are not like panels in, in Malaysia where you know, the hospital can, can claim from insurance company. So when I go overseas, I need to pay first. And nowadays when you are sick, right, I, I believe you know, some uh, supplement providers or some agents will come up to you and say, hey, why not you try this, right? This is good for your health. And you want to have that option of consuming what you think might be good for yourself. So this is where uh, the money becomes important. I had a case before where, where the person uh, uses the critical illness uh, claim to take a supplement and it's up to 60 digits. Yeah. 
We are speaking today with Annie Ho, Licensed Financial Planner at Harveston Financial Group, and So Yan Sin, AIA Unit Manager. We're talking about insurance. Let us know if you have questions about insurance, anything at all. The number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. This is part of a four-episode series called Fix Your Finances. Um, you can get a budget balance sheet at bfm.my slash fixyourfinances for a personal finance workshop that will be happening on September 9th. More details on that very shortly. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You're listening to Fix Your Finances, brought to you by AIA. Business, finance and more. BFM 89.9. You're listening to Fix Your Finances, brought to you by AIA. It's 6.51 and you're listening to Fix Your Finances. Um, you're with Lynn and Sharmila. And also in the studio with us, of course, Annie Ho, Licensed Financial Planner at Harveston Financial Group. And So Yan Sin, AIA Unit Manager. We are, of course, talking about insurance. So um, I'd like to head back to some listener questions, which, by the way, if you'd like to send us, you can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Now, um, I I'd like to actually start with this one from Selva Manikaraja, who says, how do we get information or knowledge on the type of insurance product that meets our needs based on the type of risks? Um, most often, agents propose the type of product that they want to sell based on margins. Um, are there books or references to recommend? Okay, um, of course, number one is there's a, there's a pool of information on Google and website, you know, you can always read about it. But if specifically on the product, then you need to look at further study into each and different companies that, that you may have. Um, but speak to more people just to understand, for example, speak to your friends, speak to your colleagues, ask them what kind of insurance they buy, you know. But that does not that should not be the decision deciding factor. Then speak to a professional to understand what are the types of insurance that suits your needs rather than buying a product that don't actually suit your need at the end of the day. I think talking to people that are like you is, is important as well because, you know, they've probably gone through your thought process already. We have a couple of people bringing up um, similar points. So an anonymous listener says, um, I think the elephant in the room is the dishonesty of some insurance agents or agents not giving proper advice because they want to chase commissions. My mum previously wanted to buy health insurance, but the agent tried to sell her an ILP with a medical rider. Luckily, I caught this in advance, but others may not have the financial savvy. AW, meanwhile, says, can I buy medical insurance without buying from an agent? Uh, to the second question... I think so. There are some available online, but uh, when you need their services in terms of handling the hospitals and stuff, uh, then you need to take into account that you need to, uh, you know, do all those things uh, by yourself. I think uh, going back to the uh, first question, when we when we meet doctors, like I said just now, right, we talk to doctors. Sometimes we don't feel the vibe is right, or we don't we don't we don't trust certain doctors. We go for second opinions because we thought you know different doctors will have different opinions, and and then after talking to a few, we make our decisions. I think that can be done with agents as well. So if you talk to one agent, you don't think you know that agent is for you. Always go get second opinion, third opinion, and then make the best decision for yourself. Though that there, there, there isn't a rule that says you know talk to one agent and stick to that agent for life. Yeah, I think. Um, we also have a neurodivergent person who wants to stay anonymous saying 
pre-existing conditions or illnesses aren't covered under medical insurance, what about clinically diagnosed mental health conditions like autism, ADHD, depression? How does that affect the policy? Um, depending on the different, what type of uh, illnesses, yeah, autism, ADHD, most of the time, um, the insurance company will decline coverage. All right, but you can always double check and just check again, um, and try. You know, never know. Uh, but. As for mental health, it really depends on which level of mental health you're talking about. Are you, um, you know, uh, sometimes mental health is just very broadly used. It could be depression. It could be just, I just broke up with someone and I, I, I just got sad, you know, but I'm well again, you know, I, but I saw a psychiatrist or psychology for a tr uh, one, one time, for example. So um, it's not for us to diagnose, it's for the doctors, your attending doctor to actually write the report and actually uh, describe to us his diagnosis and what's the current condition of that person. Then submit it to the insurance company to assess and underwrite to see whether they can take on because we do have clients who actually um, have this condition and they, they are able to buy the insurance but there are also clients who are on a severe level, their case are postponed. Yeah. Do try, do try. We've also got um, a caller on the line who also wants to stay anonymous. Good evening, Anon. Um, what's your question? Okay, so I'm actually a medical doctor, and um, I'd like to ask two questions actually. To because this is I deal a lot of with a lot of patients who have medical, and sometimes the first condition would be something that they have. It's deemed as being uh, congenital or something that they are born with, and their insurance does not cover them for this condition. And um, it's very difficult because the patient doesn't know that they have the condition only when they show up with the problem. Sometime maybe when they are a bit more of advanced age and then when they do the scan or they do a, a, some form of test, they find out that the patient has the problem and they don't cover them for this illness. And that's the major problem that they are facing. And my second question would be a scenario where a patient comes to emergency in an acute emergency and, and someone still needs to clear the insurance before they can get admitted or they can proceed with any form of treatment. And sometimes this takes time. And sometimes the insurance company rejects uh, the, the claim. And then the doctor has to rewrite again in and explain. And it's actually sometimes it's time critical treatment. So these are the two questions that I have. And how do we overcome this when dealing with insurance company? Doctor, thank you for calling. Um... Would either of you like to weigh in? So a couple of questions there. Right. Uh, I, think, I think for the second question where uh, the time taken, you know, you want to apply and then sometimes you get rejected and, and you need to apply again. I think that's the process. I think that cannot be avoided because for insurance company, they need to access the risk. They need to check if that can be done. So I, what I know is hospital will normally ask for a deposit first. So they'll, they'll swipe the card and then uh, if the person can afford uh, the deposit, then they will go forward and, and provide treatment. So if not, then they'll probably refer the person. Obviously, when it's acute, you know, uh, it depends on the, the doctor and the hospital whether they, wanna, they want to provide treatment. So, so I, don't, I, I think what insurance company can do is, is be more efficient in, in providing the, the, the guarantee letter. But I think it's still a process that is... Uh, that, that the, the insurance company need to go through? I think for the first question, is congenital conditions. Um, in the insurance clauses, if you read your policy, there is a clause to exclude congenital conditions. Unfortunately, that is the, the, the law for, for the insurance. Um, but of course, if you're 
referring to, um, let's say if you have a child and you you have a baby, you're pregnant and you are wanting to buy an insurance while in a womb, that actually covers, uh, it's a prenatal insurance, that actually covers congenital conditions, not on the medical card, but a separate rider. So that can be covered. But if you were... If you're like me, trying to get coverage for congenital congenital, for example, I'm sorry, we all face the same thing. There is a clause there. Um, second thing is that um, for what Yansing is saying also that there's a process that insurance company has to go through to actually of, uh, provide the guarantee letter. Reason being is because... Um, I mean, yes, the doctor wants to do, the hospital wants to perform the, the surgery or whatnot, but because insurance company is paying, they want to ensure that the policy is not lapsed, the policy is, has no um, existing, for example, exclusion, for example. So they just need to make sure that this is properly done. They don't want the clients to be happy that, oh, they get admitted, you know, and the next thing after the operation, they tell them, sorry, yeah, you're not covered, you know, you have to pay 60000 yourself. So, so it, it's not giving false promises. So the guarantee letter actually gives you an assurance that there's no problem the admission but of course the final bill has also to do with the final GL there's two types of GLs yeah we're speaking today with Annie Hall, licensed financial planner at Harveston Financial Group, and So Yansin, AIA unit manager, about insurance. Keep those thoughts coming. Uh, just a quick mention also that you can check out uh, aia.com.my slash FHC if you'd like to assess your financial health. You're listening to Fix Your Finances, BFM 89.9. You're listening to Fix Your Finances, brought to you by AIA. Broking financial mergers, BFM. 89.9. You're listening to Fix Your Finances, brought to you by AIA. It is 7.09 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. It is episode three of Fix Your Finances. And we have in the studio with us Annie Horn, licensed financial planner at Harveston Financial Group, and Soyan Sin, AIA unit manager. Together we're talking about insurance send us your questions. Any questions you might have, we want to hear them. Um, and also just a quick mention. Do we do the secret word now, what do you think, or later? You've been teasing long enough. I feel like we should. Okay. Are you revealing it in parts? What are you doing? What's your strategy? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. No, no, no. I'll just tell everybody. <laughs> so, um, again, Fix Your Finances, four episodes. Um, it will finish off in an exclusive personal finance workshop. You need a couple of things to be able to register. Firstly, you need the budget balance sheet. You can still download that at bfm.my slash fixyourfinances. The other thing you need is a password, which is, just for fun golden parachute. I will say it only one more time in the course of this show. So if you need that, oh, I'm already saying it again. Sorry, I'll say it one more time after this, but this is the second time, golden parachute. Anyways, um, back to insurance, back to the matter at hand. Um, we actually have a voice note from uh, Jonathan who's asking a question about agents. I think sometimes within your needs, um, you need to take a balance between what you share with the agent and how much you trust the agent so that they can make a rec good recommendation. For example, uh, some people may not want to let uh, a new agent know that how much they have, like how much wealth they have, so they would disclose uh, a little bit. So based on that, the agent might uh, work on a, a plan for the person. but. Based on this limited information, the agent may not have the full picture, so the um, the product or the plan recommended would would not may not be suitable for the for the person. So in that case, the question is, um, how should we pick an agent that can represent our best interests? I guess I have encountered an uh, agent who 
who, who is a friend of mine and uh, he actually recommended me to surrender all my policies and to buy his new product. So um, I think that is a bit um, unethical to, to really to um, to ask people to surrender because I bought a policy much earlier and I lock in a good price. That is a non it's a non-participating plan, it's a traditional plan. So based on that, um, I would think that it's unprofessional to get anyone to surrender just to buy a new policy so that you can have your high commission. Jonathan, thank you for that. Um, so I think it's a it's a few points, right, that are packed into it. Firstly, this idea of the relationship between the the client and the agent and how you build that, uh, but then also that point about ethics, right, at the end. Okay. Uh, for in the financial planning platform, we actually want to not only look at the clients. Um, financial standing in terms of the insurance. We want to look at holistic. We want to know, uh, so most of the times, we'll actually ask the client, do you just want to buy medical or life insurance or do you want to look at holistic planning? We'd rather you look at holistic planning so that, like like, like what the uh, contributor just now, has the, re- the listener has mentioned, right? It says that, you know, I can only divulge so much to the insurance agent. So obviously, they can't create a, bad, a good plan for you. You know, so but but knowing more of the client, their financial net worth and financial standing, their debts or or, or business risks that they take, only can a financial planner plan. May not be always insurance; it could be other forms of financial tools, right? To actually that's find something that suits the client's needs and answer to that client's uh, solve that client's problem, right? So that's one. Um, yeah, I'll. To me, talking to a financial planner, an agent, it's the same as as talking to a doctor. So when you see a doctor, you you don't keep things, right? So because when you keep things from the doctor, the doctor will not be able to prescribe or diagnose well. Then you you then you cannot complain about you know the, the treatment or the medicine given. So I think what what the point he made was was very. Uh, I agree. You must look for someone you trust, and how you look for someone you trust. And everyone has their ways, so just look for someone you can really, really trust, and act on it. If you want to get second opinion, as I say, you know, you're, you're always welcome. We have a question from DK who says, I have a question about medical insurance. I took on medical insurance and have used it a few years back for my breast cancer treatment coverage. I've been cancer free since then. My understanding is that once I use the insurance, I no longer have coverage. If my cancer relapses or recurs and I need further treatment, is this correct? How can I cover myself for further recurrence of the illness or other illnesses? Uh, She needs to check. Uh, the contract that she has, if the policy is guaranteed renewable, uh, she should be able to claim. She should be able to claim. Should anything happen again in the future? Gotcha. Um, Okay, a couple of people want to know, actually, same point. So, Amir says, uh, are are there any insurance schemes plus savings? Uh, Siuha is also talking about well, actually, Siwa is asking a different thing, saying, are there non-investment linked type of protections that cover death, uh, TPD with critical illnesses, hospitalization as riders? There are many kind of types of insurance. There's whole life, there is a term life, there is a investment link. Um, so understand, try and speak to your 
agent or advisor or financial planner, let them understand what's the concern of not wanting an investment link plan, for example. Then, because a lot of times my clients will tell me, I don't want an investment link plan. So we sit down and say, why do you not want an investment link plan? And try to understand, oh, okay, because of this, this, this reason, okay, maybe a term plan suits you. So there are various types of plan in the market, yeah, on that. Um, actually, I want to come back to actually the client, the, the listener who actually asked about the uh, surrendering the policy, just to, because mm. I remember the question now. So the surrendering a policy, um, sometimes I would also say that, you know, it is if you can maintain the policy, keep the policy because you have bought it at a younger age, you know, you're healthy and etc. Try not to hop from one company to another, right? But, you know, but also, also you also have to have an open mind to see that if that policy, maybe your parents bought you, it was a small annual limit. You, you still need to look at other options to, that covers a higher limit right now. You need to see the relevance of the policy right now. Not just because your mama, papa bought for you or, or there's a sentimental value or because I bought it at a young age. You need to see the relevance of the policy and not just because someone asks you to surrender or not. So if it doesn't spark joy anymore, just Marie Kondo it, right? But if, it's continue, if it continues to serve a purpose, then maintain it. Yeah. Well, actually, can I just follow up on the issue of um, savings or insurance linked? Because I think that that was another thing that came up, right? Um, so firstly, we were talking about this a little bit, whether savings, uh, a savings plan here really is about investment linked insurance. Um, and if it is about that, where do you both stand on this issue? Um, insurance that is linked to investments. I think a lot of people brand it wrongly when they say, you know, investment link is coverage plus savings because you can't really distinguish which which part of it is savings and which part of it is for protection. So because you pay the money one go and then you have only one number, which is the cash value. So in the future, we want to take out some money. Say, if you think it's savings, you want to take out some money, you wouldn't be able to know how much money in exact you, you, you are able to take out. So uh, I suggest that you separate uh, your so-called savings or investment from that uh, protection policy that you, you get. Yeah, to add on is that um, I always feel that insurance is insurance is for protection against any unfortunate um, incidents and accidents. Um, in that, you want to do investment, look at other assets like real, real estate, equities, unit trusts or whatnot. Don't mix them together. The easier, when you, when you separate them, it's easier to see the purpose of each plan. Yeah, when you combine it, you're just confused. You won't know when to take out when, like like Yansing said, what do I take it out or do I keep it? And there's always another that's that's this thing of whatever extra you pay. For example, if you buy an investment, you pay the extra you pay, you will see like oh, there's a fund value, there's a cash value. Maybe I should dip into it. Actually, if you don't need to dip into it, don't touch that. Save it for the last resort because that actually the purpose is actually to pay for future cost insurance when it when it increases. Yeah. Kamar Nizam wants to know, which is better, sticking to one insurance company and policy or hopping from one policy to another policy when an even better one is available? When should one review their policy? I think uh, it depends on what hop on means. So if it means surrendering your existing policy to go for a new one consistently, uh, I don't suggest that because once you start an insurance coverage, once you start buying uh, an insurance policy, uh, the waiting period starts. So you don't want to always have that waiting period because when you're in that waiting period, you're not covered. So why keep yourself not covered, right? So so you can look into having more coverage as your needs increases, but uh, do not switch plans that often. Um, we have a couple of people actually asking about, in a way, 
clients, them, well, people themselves are reading terms and conditions. And so, for example, I'm looking for it. Uh, we have M who says, do buyers generally understand the policies, terms and conditions? Uh, someone else asking whether, you know, you get the full thing that you get to read. And I think, you know, in both your professional capacities, this was something that is interesting because I'm sure there are people who read everything. Um, I'm equally sure that there are people who just trust people and then don't read everything. Um, what have you observed? When I bought my policy, I actually read through the the disclosure, the terms and condition. So I call up my agent and say, "Hey, what does this term means?" Ah? he was said, "What are you reading? Insurance <laughs> contract, the one that you passed me." Hey, nobody read the contract one. So that's what he told me. You know, I'm like, oh. but I read. You know. <laughs> So then, um, yes, to answer your question is some people don't actually read it, but it's, but we also walk through the clients on the key uh, components of those that things that they actually need to read through because it's a thick, thick booklet, right? So what are the key uh, points we will walk them through? Um, then, of course, it is also up to them to ask. They also need to take initiative to actually read and ask us because we may not cover everything in case we don't cover everything but they have questions, they can always come back to us. That's why a policy contract is a very important document. Some people just nowadays look for online document and mm. because they say, I don't want to keep the hard copy. Because once online, they just archive it, put in their Google Drive and then they don't look at it anymore. Yeah. So it's important to get a, a hard copy. I think there are. I think it's easier if you really want to go through the policy contract, if you have hard to go to, through the policy contract, that you ask your agents or your financial planner to go through it with you. Mm. That because they'll they'll know how it's it's fixed, right? Chapter by chapter, riders by riders. So when they go, you know, they, they go through it with you, it's faster, and then it's easier for you to understand the whole thing because you don't want to read like, you know, three hundred pages, uh, <laughs> contract, just to understand insurance. Yeah, and also because the terms are not uh, for the layman people, so sometimes we need to explain in a layman explanation on what that particular clause means. With us today, Annie Hall, Licensed Financial Planner at Harveston Financial Group and So Yan Sin, AIA Unit Manager. Together, we're talking about insurance on Episode 3 of Fix Your Finances. Um, if you'd like to assess your financial health, you can check out aia.com.my slash fhc. In the meantime, though, if you have questions about insurance, last call, um, you can ring us, double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. You're listening to Fix Your Finances, brought to you by AIA. Bring forth moolah, BFM 89.9. You're listening to Fix Your Finances, brought to you by AIA. It is 7.23. Um, this is episode three of Fix Your Finances. We're talking about insurance. You're with Lynn and Charmila. You're also with Annie Ho, licensed financial planner at Harveston Financial Group and So Yan Sin, AIA unit manager. Now, um, I think before we, I, I wouldn't want the show to end without asking a question that I think is important, which is how do you assess whether you are overinsured or underinsured? Because we've been talking about the basics, policies, things like that. Um, but what do you need to look at to figure this out for yourself? Difference, like I said earlier, a different stage of life require different sum assured, right? When you're single, when you're married with kids, I think something is sometimes it's always good to review your policies. And especially, let me give you an example. Like um, if you're when you bought your policy twenty years ago. Your purpose was to protect your children and your family. 20 years later, your children have grown up. They, are, they have their own family. Do you still need the policy, the life insurance that you bought just to secure their, their give them a safety net? 
Maybe yes, maybe no, but you need to understand further. Maybe no, because the kids have grown up. Maybe yes, because my child happened to be a single parent now. I want to provide for the grandchildren, you know. So there are very various reasons. It cannot be, I, I don't need this plan anymore. Can I cancel? It, you, I can't answer that question. I, re- I need to know you to, under, to give you a proper advice. Yeah. So different, whether you're over, under, you need to sit down, do a policy review. Because like, like I said, if it doesn't spark joy, get, get rid of it. All right? if, you, if you're underinsured, you need to bump up your insurance just so that your, your, you and your family gets a safety net. Yeah. I actually wrote down 11 points. But do, <laughs> do talk to professional uh, agents and professional life, plan, uh, life planners or, or, or financial planners. I wrote down current, you should look at your current insurance policy, life stages changes, financial obligation, family dependence, health needs, liability coverage, asset protection, emergency fund, future goals and aspiration, budget and affordability and work risk, if that answers the question. <laughs> I think that that is a fair amount, a fair amount to talk about. I I think that actually the other thing is, um, and this is something that is a theme that I'm noticing in the questions, and we've talked about it, but I just want to ask ask it directly, which is, for people, how can they overcome the trust deficit that makes them think, I'm not um, that I'm being sold to? Because I think that that is a feeling people have, right? Like when you talk about um, reassessing or maybe figuring out, hey, I need to buy more. Buying more means, oh, now it's more expensive. Oh, um, there's always that hesitation because it's like, well, are you just telling me this because you want more money? You know. So for from both your perspectives, how can people overcome this issue of trust? Most of the time, you need to really spend some time with the client and, and understand the client more, speak to the client more, go into their level, right? Why, why they need that insurance or not. And then also justify with the figures and amounts. Like I said, I can't just say, Shamila, you need one million, you know, uh, because Trillin buy one million. No, you can't do that, right? So you need to understand, oh, Shamila, you have you have a family, you have a dependent, you know, whatnot. Um, once your existing resources, you have your EPF, you have your savings, we take all this into account. Oh, you don't actually need one million, you just need 200,000 because we identify everything. We look at that holistic, holistic uh, financial plan of yours. Then we realize, oh, actually you don't need, you need 200,000. Maybe Lynn needs one million because she doesn't have um, EPF, she doesn't have this and that and, and that, then she may need that one million. For, to, to derive that for that sum assured that uh, plan that you need to get, you need to speak and identify all these things first. Yeah. I so, think, yeah, sorry. sorry. So the trust would actually come from a lot of um, hard, it's a lot of hard talk. It's a lot of hard talk, heartfelt, and, and not just figures, throw you a plan, here you go. Yeah. I think I think I agree with Annie. I think the, the, the key word is trust because people think agents or financial planner will always come up with statistics or, or ideas uh, to sell and then they will feel they are, they are sold to. So I think building uh, your trust with your agents or who you think is professional is, is very important. So if you have any doubts, do get second opinion. That's, that's always my advice. We have Faisal who's asking, how do insurance companies assess a claim and decide whether the claim is covered or not? Um, and if a claim is rejected, do customers have an avenue to lodge a dispute? Um, okay, what you're covered, it depends if you're, if you bought it, when you bought a policy, for example. Uh, okay, before that, your policy contract just spells out what is not covered. All right. And then, but those are contract words. All mm-hmm. right. To understand further, for example, if you get into an accident, do you know your knee braces is not covered? Your crutches are not covered. But it's not spelled out in your contract. These are based on experience we tell you. Because sometimes when the client say, oh, I'm in the hospital, man. the fellow come and sell me that knee braces must be covered. 3000 2000 Then they say, okay, la, I will take. Then when they discharge, they say, hey, not covered. La. 
Uh, but because it's not covered, right? Um, so, so to answer your question, there are some things that are covered, some things are not covered. So don't assume insurance cover everything. Um, for example, if your claim get rejected, you need to find out the reason why it get rejected and you can always submit for appeal. All right, to the insurance company to see why, uh, and you can appeal further to see. Uh, first thing, that's the first level. If it's as if it, it doesn't go through that uh, channel, and you think it doesn't work, and you want to bring it to a higher channel, all right. For example, like Bank Nagara or Liam, for example, you can always do that. But of course, you must have substantial uh, reason and concrete evidence. Uh. You cannot just go and just because I I just feel I, I want to go complain. Yeah. I think it's important to get a trustworthy agent. Because when you ask how an insurance company, you know, access a claim, whether it's it's payable or not, it's actually a process between uh, the person who who wants to claim the the, the evidence or, or the proof or the reports that they they they, they submit, and uh, the person who is doing the claim, paying the claim, you not know, the person in insurance company who is accessing probably the doctor. So, so it. It depends on the, the, the person in insurance company who is holding the contract, see what they cover, whether they want to approve it or not. So, you know, it depends on that person. So if you have doubt or if you think like you are not uh, properly, uh, properly, you don't have, you don't have uh, good excuses for not, 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 not getting uh, your claim, like what Annie say, you know, do, uh, do appeal and get a trustworthy agent who, who will stand you know, in your shoes and help and, and step beside you and help you to do the claim and even, you know, appeal and complain so that you you you, you get what you are worth, uh, what you deserve. Annie, Jansen, thank you both so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for having us. That was Annie Ho, Licensed Financial Planner at Harveston Financial Group and So Yansin, AIA Unit Manager. This is Episode 3 of Fix Your Finances. Uh, a reminder that you can get the budget balance sheet at bfm.my slash fixyourfinances. You can also register for an exclusive personal finance workshop using the password, which is Golden Parachute. We're not going to say it that often. So, you know, just lock it in, remember it, register. Uh, and you've been listening to Fix Your Finances, BFM 89.9. You've been listening to Fix Your Finances, brought to you by AIA, supporting you in cultivating healthier financial habits. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.